Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Hey, welcome to Truth, Lies, Shenanigans podcast, social commentary, hot topics, amazing guests, a ton of fun, and Halloween shenanigans. We're back for our annual Halloween show. We had to come back just before the start of our next season, next week, season four. And today we'll be sitting around the fire telling spooky stories with the famed horror writer and director, Jacob Aaron Estes. Before we start, as always, I've got to introduce you to my spooky co-host. First up, the professor, journalist, editor, and tiger from Washington, D.C., Liz E. What's going on? What's up? What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday. Fun day. Can you hear me? Can you we can hear you. Yeah. Like some growling, some ghouls and goblins <laughs> in the background. What's up, everyone? Happy Sunday, fun day. Happy Hollows Eve's Eve. So yes. good to be back, especially, you know, on Halloween Eve. I'm very excited about the holiday. I'm very excited about the show. Ready to hear some creepy, spooky stories. Ready to Look hear- at your costume. Where'd you get that idea from? So I'm a tiger, but I am a Wilson tiger. So a Wilson tiger. Wilson Senior, <laughs> Senior High School just celebrated our 30-year reunion. And in honor of my fellow tigers, I decided to come out in all of my roaring glory for y'all. <laughs> I, like <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Next up, our gamer, tech guru, rock star, and I don't know, electronic face. <laughs> Mr. Rob B. Rock. <laughs> he looks like That's Skeletor. Hey, man, Skeletor. Uh, uh, Evil Skeletor many right now. Too many faces of. <laughs> but I am my own man. I am my own man. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw this on Facebook. I was looking for just cool animatronic masks or motion masks. And when I came across this, I was just like, oh my. That's this pretty cool. Something that I must have. So you can upload uh, a bunch of images yourself, and it comes with about 80 presets. But yeah, I thought that this was just perfect for our first spooky Sunday back together. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> I know in the past seasons, you always have different masks every time. Now you don't have to <laughs> You don't have to switch right. a mid- mid-show. You can just do it whenever. I know. <laughs> and there's room under here for my glasses, too, which is amazing. <laughs> wow. All right. Next up, our college student model, entrepreneur, and I don't know what she is today. Let's see. From Atlanta, Georgia, Ms. Gianni Storm. <laughs> Tell me what you are, Gianni. I'm clearly the queen of the day of the dead. Okay? The day of the dead. <laughs> but I am. Mortis. No, but, um, I actually went to Party City. I wanted to be Kanye West. And then. <laughs> you were going for Kanye West. <laughs> I don't know how I diverged. That's, that's a scary you costume. You would have been canceled and banned from this show. <laughs> scary <laughs> costume right there. That would have yeah. been really scary. Yeah, it's a good to way to lose endorsements, girl. I wanted, right, I wanted to that. But no, now um, I chose this because I, I'm into skeletons. So me and Rob had the same idea, but it's more technological. 
<laughs> More technical. Like day of the day. <laughs> uh, scallop beauty. Scallop beauty. That's what that is. She's a scallop beauty. Okay. <laughs> All right. And of course, I'm Neil Nix, dresses the Phantom of the Opera. Can't really sing, so I won't try. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're a fan of the opera. <laughs> right. But hey, I gotta say, I missed you guys. It's been a long break. We're just finally getting back. So I know next uh, next week we, we get back into the mix. But it, I really did miss you guys. Aw, we missed you, Neo. Yeah, it was, it, it was, uh, it was a long break. We, we, when did we break? Back in August? Yeah, it has been a long break. These, these looks, these looks Rob has given us. Yeah, Rob, Rob, Rob's, Rob's got all kinds of things going on right here. <laughs> Right? Fashion Week, right. Halloween Fashion Week next year. If you're listening on the podcast, you're definitely going to have to uh, have to check it out on YouTube. All right, let's get right into our spooky stories. Each of us is going to share scary stories that are true, almost true, or based on true events. And joining us today, we've got quite a treat. No tricks. Horror writer and director Jacob Aaron Estes, known for movies like He's Watching, Don't Let Go, and Rings, the 2017 sequel to the Ring franchise. So let's not wait any, any longer. It's time for Spooky Stories. Jacob, Jacob's all dressed up too. How you doing, Jacob? <laughs> well, we got to get the inspiration for your costume. I walked into my son's room, and took his wig. <laughs> <laughs> and a little child shall lead us. And a little child shall lead us. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us, Jacob. How- Thanks for having me. All right. So before we jump into your scary story, you know, you have quite a resume, including part of the famed Ring franchise. How did you get into film? And specifically, why did you choose uh, horror? I got into film, I think, starting when I was little with super eight camera and a video camera super eight um, had a, my father had one of those vhs cameras that was this big you know um so we were documenting stuff in my childhood and i put the camera on my shoulder and enjoyed that um and eventually just started writing plays actually and making short films and nothing to do with horror um and at some point, I wanted to do screenplays and um, migrated into that. And I wrote what became my first movie, which was Mean Creek, <clears throat> uh, which came out in 2004, I think. And um, Mean Creek got lots of accolades and won awards and stuff like that. But the poster looked very much like a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I I put the Israeli version of it here. It doesn't look like a horror movie here, but the, the one that Paramount released was a hand coming up through the water. It looked horrific. And I think a lot of people just assumed that I was a horror um, writer and director and, and started hiring me to write horror stuff. Okay. Uh, not necessarily based on me Creek being, oh, <laughs> it was horrific. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, you know, I love horror movies. I always have. And so ha- I have sort of been interested in that and pursued it, mostly in my new movie, um, uh, He's Watching, um, 
where I just made a horror movie at home. Wow. That was the most pure horror movie I've ever made, yeah. And people watching, you can actually find that link in our description. Check out that movie he's watching. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. So you did that at your home during the pandemic? Yeah, my kids were um, obviously locked in. And one of the things that we did at night, my son wanted to watch horror movies. He just was interested in it. And I think it was a release, you know, for all the horrific stuff that was going on around the pandemic. I mean, we didn't know that. We thought everybody was going to die. You know, there was points like that. Mm-hmm. And kids were profoundly affected by that. And our only rule around our kids has been we don't want to watch show them slasher movies. But if there's good horror movies, we're happy to watch them. And so we start watching every single one imaginable. Something's growling. That's horrific. Yeah, that's. <laughs> <laughs> Is that. that, that it's Robbie's stomach. <laughs> 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 so the end of my story i'll make it brief was that at some point we were watching some really bad horror movies and i said you know we could make one here at the house probably better than that and everybody took me seriously and so i got out my phone and we started shooting it improvised and two years later i sold the movie to xyz films and they put it out in the world nice, nice. I, I haven't so, seen that one yet but i, I actually saw don't let go uh, yeah. Mostly because they had some of my favorite actors in it with David Oyelowo and uh, and Brian Tyree Henry. For those yeah. that don't know who that is, that's a uh, paper boy from uh, the show Atlanta. I gotta say, I really like the movie because um, you wrote and directed this one. And it has a really interesting premise to it. For, sort of, for me, it sort of felt like a Memento meets kind of Get Out or something. Um, so how did you come up with the concept? Um, there was an original writer uh, who had written this 90-page screenplay, and the first five pages of that story, a, a little girl died, and her uncle, who was grieving her, got a phone call from her. And that struck me as an incredible premise, and I expected that to be followed down the line as I continued to read that screenplay, but it didn't. Um, and so at that time, I was on the phone with talking about it with Jason Blum and his company, and I said, you know, I like the first five pages a lot. And what if we just did that for 100 pages? Nice. And they they said, for it, to try. So wrote a screenplay um, and uh, made that movie. Awesome. I loved it. RB, I'm sorry. I think I cut you off. What were you saying? Yeah, no, I was just curious. Uh, with uh, He's watching, shooting that at home. Lonnie Ross from 30 Rock. I'm just curious yeah. if his comedic background comes into play at all in his performance as the Snow Creeper. No, only when I was like, no, Lonnie, don't be so silly. Um, <laughs> no, we just had a lot of fun together, putting on the costume, using it. We went to the thrift store and found the right costume for him, laughed a lot about it, went up into the snow, and he got frostbite on his fingers. That was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> well, just because I don't think a lot of comedians have a little bit of darkness. Yeah, no, a lot of, a lot of comedians do have a lot of darkness. That's right. Uh, mostly that they hide and from their performances that they, they deal with on a daily basis. That they're yeah. fighting with Beauty. Yeah. And where can we where can we find or watch Don't Let Go? Don't Let Go. Uh, you can probably find that on Amazon somewhere. Yeah, I, I saw it on Google Play. Yeah. Yeah, and then 
he's watching you can find on Voodoo or Amazon or iTunes or anything like that. I do so, have one final question, just because this was a family project. It's, yeah. Do you ever use any of your wife's music in your production? Yeah, my wife is in the movie. She's a, um, a creature called the Face Monster. Um, <laughs> she turns around and screams, and her whole face is a mouth giant screaming. Um, but yeah, she also she also plays a character called the um, Shadow Demon or the Shower Demon, and she's singing in the shower one of her original songs. And, and oh, the kid is attracted to her music. And then her music comes on the stereo at one point. Um, and then I wrote a song in about 25 years ago that I put in the closing credits, and I had her singing back up 25 years later. Wow. But yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. That's wow. amazing. All right. It's time to get into our spooky stories. And, of course, we're starting with our guest. So, Jacob, I'm going to let you take it away. Tell us your spooky story. Well, my spooky story requires a little background. And it's to do with my father and my father's um, partner who died of AIDS um, about 20 years ago. Uh, and my, da- my dad's partner was very into his clothing, had a walk-in closet built for himself and all this incredible clothing that he bought downtown San Francisco and around the world. And he would travel and he had so many pairs of shoes. And my father, when he was grieving, he never got rid of that clothing and never got rid of those shoes. And you can imagine 20 years later or so, the that fabric starts to get eaten up by moths and there's mold on it and it starts to smell. And recently um, my dad left his house for another place and I took it upon myself to donate any of the usable clothes to charity and throw out the rest. And so I sorted them all into boxes. These boxes took up like probably 20 square feet of, floor outside of my dad's bedroom uh, on the exterior deck behind his house. And there are these French doors that um, lead to that deck. And I closed the French doors up and left the clothing there for the night. And he lives up on a mountain in Northern California, far away from anything. And I was laying in his bedroom that night watching a pretty bad Liam Neeson movie called Memories. And when I, Horrible. Horrible. <laughs> sorry whoever made that movie. I don't usually do that. But <laughs> it was good enough I could watch the whole thing. Let's put it that way. And I turned it off and I started to hear noises. Um, noises that I would normally assume were just animals on the mountain, but they got a little disturbing mm-hmm. for some reason. And I started to wonder if someone was outside the house. And I looked over to the French doors right outside were about 20 boxes of old clothing. And I asked myself, are those doors closed and locked? And so I sort of meandered over to the doors and I took a look at them and they were open just to maybe a little quarter of an inch, half an inch. And they're the kind of doors that you can't really see if they're locked or not, except by opening it and pushing the little button 
you know, inside the mechanism, you can't turn a, a switch and lock it. And I really didn't want to open the door because I was creeped out <laughs> by the noises. Yeah. And at this point, I actually wasn't thinking about the clothing outside or anything like that. Um, but when you hear the rest of my story, you'll understand what, man, that growling's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> scary. So I I decide I'm going to close the door, and as I close the door, there's this sudden thud, and the door pushes back towards me, and all of a sudden I'm like a scared six year old child, horrified. And I put all, I'm, I'm 250 pounds. I put all of my weight into the door and it pushed me back yet again. And then I pushed it back yet again. And I'm thinking there's somebody outside and I pull out my phone, which is in my pocket and turn on the flashlight. And of course, all I can see is the reflection in the glass at that point. Mm. So I turned off my phone and I stood there like just my heart racing for about five minutes waiting for something to happen, waiting for somebody or something to run away from the door and nothing ever did. And my eyes adjusted and I looked through the glass and there was just nothing there. Hmm. But the boxes of my dad's passed away boyfriend and um, his clothing in those boxes, right? Hmm. And I started to wonder if his spirit wasn't out there tending to his possession and then was trying to get out and there was no thermal reason why this would have happened it was cold outside and warm inside you'd think if it was hot outside maybe it would push there there was no wind so i don't really know what it was other than that it scared the hell out of me and i i refused to sleep in the bedroom that night so i would have been the same way (laughs) (laughs) barricaded myself into Childhood bedroom. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's, That's crazy. crazy. That's my spooky creepy. story. That's so, creepy. So, so you think it was, it might have been your uh, father's boyfriend, the spirit of yeah. Wow. That is creepy. Before, before this, before this happened, did you believe in spirits? <laughs> my wife had- my wife has commented that whenever something weird happens to me, I believe in it. So when anybody, <laughs> I mean, aren't we all a little like that? Yeah. <laughs> right. Shoot. I start to believe some craziness too when something happens to me. Oh, wow, that yeah. that is crazy. So, are you scared today from that? Like, are you like? rattled still or i spent about seven more nights in the house since then and it it, I, it has affected me i'm afraid to go down in that bedroom at night i would be i just wouldn't do it <laughs> i just wouldn't do it jacob you definitely gave us a scary one to think about <laughs> yeah. sure. all right okay. let's, let's move on to our next spooky story lizzie <laughs> Give us your spooky story. So this is not as recent as Jacob. So we're going to go back to 1994. Um, how many mm-hmm. of you have been to Nebraska? 
Nebraska? Uh, so, actually, no, never. So Nebraska, you know, is kind of, you know, Midwest West. Um, not much going on in Nebraska besides their sports teams and cornfields. Um, so I went to the University of Colorado for undergrad. And Colorado football back in 1994 was the shit. It was a great school. We were number four in the country. I think Nebraska was number one. And back then they played each other every Halloween weekend. And so this particular game was in Lincoln, Nebraska. So my roommates and I, we decided we were going to get in our car um, and drive from Boulder, Colorado to Nebraska to go to the game with a bunch of other friends. We get to the game. It's a disaster. We get our asses beat by Nebraska 24-7. We were supposed to stay overnight in Lincoln, but we really didn't want to. We didn't feel welcome. People were throwing rocks at us calling us names, losers, big loser. So we decided we were going to head home after the game. The game started, I believe it was like a four o'clock. No, it was a two o'clock game, um, Midwest time. And so by the time we left again, it was, it was October. So when we left, it was maybe six o'clock at night. So it was dark outside. So we're making the drive back to Nebraska. It's dark. We are in an old Ford Bronco and we happen to get lost. Now, none of us had ever been to Nebraska before this trip, so we weren't really sure whether we were coming or going. I didn't have a license, so I wasn't driving in the dark, okay? So it was my roommate who was driving and our other friend um, named Me Lee, okay? And before, we had, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Judgment Night. It's with Emilio Estevez and Cuba Gooding Jr. I haven't seen it. It's kind of a scary movie. It's about them taking a road trip in a a scooped up RV to go see a boxing match, but they kind of get thwarted. They get lost, but they get lost in an urban area, kind of in the ghetto. And so some gangbangers start basically chasing them. Well, we got lost in the cornfields, basically of Nebraska. And so while there were no drug dealers that were chasing us, um, I started, as we initially started driving down this dark road to nowhere, I brought up the Judgment Night movie. And one of my roommates starts freaking out and she starts crying because she's scared. And she thinks the gangbangers or the boogeyman in the cornfield is going to come. <laughs> so we are trying to drive and maneuver through the back roads. I think we initially took three different wrong turns that led us to dead ends. And so we had to back up or whatever. And then finally we take a a turn and we literally ended up in a cornfield that looked like this right here. And so I'm being, you know, the, the annoying, let's scare everybody. So I'm like, Oh my God, there he is. That sounds like, Oh my God. He's going to jump out over there. And so of course (laughs) my roommate is freaking out cry don't say that don't do that and i'm like shh okay don't cry don't say anything and so it's all silent and then all of a sudden we're going down this road in the cornfield boom ice cream oh. boom. scare everybody in the car <laughs> okay um, and so of, co- of course i got cursed out a little bit but it was you know it was kind of funny until we got lost again and really didn't know where we were going And so we pulled over. We finally got out of the cornfield and pulled over to the side of the road. Um, We did have a map. You know, there were no, there was no GPS back then. There were no cell phones. There was no Google maps, none of that stuff. So you either had a map or a flashlight or you were shit out of luck. 
we pull over to the yep. side of the road. Again, the roommate who's crying didn't want us to pull over to the side of the road because she thought the boogeyman was going to come get us. So we're like, okay. So two, the two drivers, they got out of the car because you can't really concentrate while someone's in the backseat crying and screaming. They get out of mm-hmm. the car um, with the flashlight so they can look at the map. Car comes down the creepy road, stops in front of us. Mm-hmm. And so then I'm like in the car with the roommate. Oh shit, the black man really is here. So he gets out. First he honks his horn and he gets out. And so then the other two roomies, they run it, get in the car. So he comes and he starts knocking on the window. And everyone's like screaming, get away, get away, get away. And he's like, pulls out his badge. Oh Please wow. And he's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take you guys to where you need to go. Like, you're lost. We, t- we tell him we're trying to get to whatever the main road, whatever, what have you. And so he's like, follow me. So he's in, and he's in an unmarked car. He's not in a police cruiser or anything like that. So he gets oh, in his damn. car. We start to follow him and follow him and follow him and follow what? him. Like, we're going nowhere. Through cornfields? No, we're on. We're on. You're a main road it's now. It's like a back. Not, but a main road, but not really like a back main road. Like, like it wasn't the main road. highway, a country yeah. road, exactly. Oh man, um, not a lot of lights. So the only lights on this road were your headlights, right? So we're following him, oh. following him. And Do you I'm mind if like, I ask the ethnicities involved? It's Nebraska. In, in, in our car, <laughs> both. In our car. I'm asking both. Um, All. Well, was I was white um my two roommates were white and me lee is vietnamese vietnamese okay. american okay um so yeah so you know i'm outnumbered me and I are <laughs> I outnumbered. <laughs> <laughs> but so but we're following and, and i'm just like guys I, I i don't mean i'm really not joking right now but we've been going for a long way like we don't know where we're going of course the other roommate starts crying again don't say that don't say I'm, like, okay, I'm just going to shut up until he pulls out the butcher knife and kills me. <laughs> the butcher knife. So, you thought you were going to kill the butcher knife? <laughs> Damn. And so we continue to follow him and then we start to see like some lights for a main road. Okay. Right? So he's like, you know, he's like, he honks um, and then he turns into this main road and it was like a Dairy Queen or something. It was a little strip mall, if you will. Dairy Queen. Pulls into the Dairy Queen. We pull up beside him and we're like, oh my God, thank you, thank you, thank you. He gets out, comes back over to the window, pulls out his badge again. And he's like, I guess you guys have never seen a real state trooper badge, have you? It's Halloween. I'm not a police officer. I could have driven you anywhere. We were like, oh, and so of course the roommate starts crying again. That's pretty intense. That's scary. It was pretty creepy. Um, I didn't help the situation because you know I like scary stuff. Um, we did not have. Let me just say, we did not have any protection in that car. Like now, you know, fast forward to 2022. You guys know I carry a, but I sleep with a butcher knife underneath my bed, underneath my pillow. I carry protection all the time. But back then, you know, we were what 20 years old. Four young ladies in the car, driving no cell phone. on the back road, no cell phones, no nothing. And some in a crazy nut in the back seat crying and screaming. So it could have turned out pretty bad for us. 
Wow. Turned out pretty bad. No, so sure. lesson learned. Don't go following <laughs> random people on during the back roads in the cornfields in Nebraska. That sounds like that Geico commercial where they're making fun of uh, horror movies <laughs> when they're sitting up there. They're, they're like, oh, let's just get into the running car. No. Are you crazy? <laughs> Are you crazy? <laughs> that sounds yeah. like. <laughs> I'm curious. So, Jacob, when, when they make fun of horror movies, like when horror writers are writing horror movies, do they really follow rules to horror movies? Yeah. Well, I just try not to have people do dumb stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I figure you get people in trouble without them doing stupid stuff. But I just last night watched an incredible horror movie um, called Barbarian. Oh, that's okay. yeah. It's great. The characters do some incredibly stupid stuff that you would just think, no, that, that doesn't that's not going to work out for them. That doesn't, that doesn't make any sense. But it still worked. It was great. You're just, it was so much fun. So <laughs> I guess you can let people do stupid stuff. And it's okay. I'm going to have to check that barbarian out. All right. Great story, Liz. Thank you for that. All right, Gianni. I'm going to let you tell your scary story. So I have like a little, we're going to do a little visualization for, for my story. Okay. So I want you guys to imagine tens of thousands of people and they're all partying. They're out in the streets. They're celebrating. They have costumes on. It's a good time. They're celebrating the Halloween festivities. And this area is always usually super, super packed. The crowd, picture the crowd just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more people gathering. People in the crowds that are laughing and dancing. And it's just a good time. Suddenly, you start to see the crowd struggling a little bit. You see a surge of people starting to struggle. People trying to get past each other, trying to get by each other but not really able to and pushing each other aside. Then you start seeing people pinned in between other people. And you notice that that person is screaming or that person is trying to be heard and saying, I can't breathe. I need help. I need help. So suddenly the crowd that is laughing and dancing and cheering is starting to get a little bit chaotic. Then you notice that people are really struggling now and people are really trying to get out. And now you actually hear screaming. Now you actually people saying I can't breathe. The crowd, you notice, is moving closer and closer, and now you can't move at all. I've been there. Yes. People get nervous, and chaos, like I said, has happened. Now, this story is actually a very true story, and what makes it scary is that it just happened yesterday. This happened in Seoul, Korea, where 151 young people, teenagers and young adults, were actually killed in this crowd. The, they still don't know what exactly caused the people to panic and start to run over each other and suffocate each other and trample over each other and squish each other to death. Uh-huh. So it remains a mystery. But if you guys look it up, you'll see that there's bodies after bodies of young people being taken out of the street that just happened last night. So this is a real tragedy. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I've been in crowds like that where people are pushing up against you. You can't move. I've been there. Obviously I made it out. (laughs) I've definitely definitely been there. Man, that's scary. So where was this again? It sounded like you were just describing what's, what's Kylie Jenner's baby daddy. Oh, Travis. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were talking about his concert when you said, oh, you know, it just happened not too long ago. I was just like, oh, shit. Yeah. To get them Kardashians into the conversation, didn't we? I know. It's just no, like no, that. no, I did not drop the K word. 
did absolutely <laughs> not. You said Kylie. No, you said Kylie. Put, uh, but not the not the bad K word. Really <laughs> no, but I know this is proof that you know scary horror or something scary doesn't necessarily have to deal with goblins and boogeymen. You know, um, it could be a real life situation like this. I mean, even think about um, the movie Final Destination. You know, technically that movie started off with a guy having a premonition about a plane crash, Mm -hmm. people dying, you know, when it's their time to die in the most horrific ways possible. You know, you could be scared in myriad ways, myriad ways. So, uh, Jacob, Paula Bertrand said she'll be dreaming about your your uh, your story tonight. Kevin Thaxton (laughs) said uh, to Lizzie, children of the corn. (laughs) <laughs> That's what, uh, I think yeah. I might have screamed that a couple of times that night, actually. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the story, Gianni. That is that is scary. Like I said, I've been there and it's it is like terrifying sometimes. When you can't figure out a way out, it's terrifying. When I was in high school, this nightclub called Limelight in Chicago, which is where I grew up largely, and it got impacted like that. And my friend Corey, a woman felt passed out right next to me because of the pressure. And we ended up putting her up over the crowd and passed her out. Oh, wow. Into the Chicago winter um, where she woke up. Wow. But, wow. Her for watching her go over that crowd of people. Yeah. Never once when I was like 16 that I think we were about to die. But of course, we probably were about to die. One yeah. person had freaking out. Yeah. And then you started trampling people. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Oh, Jacqueline Robinson said... Um, Open closet doors in the bedroom terrify me to Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid of closets. Yeah. That's, that's a real thing. Yeah, my wife used to have the doors closed too. That was, there's a horror movie for me. I was afraid of what was in the closet. And when the doors were closed, I was afraid of what I couldn't see in the closet. So I couldn't win. If the doors were open, I was afraid of what might come out. And if the doors were closed, I was afraid of what was in there. Wow. I'm like with the shower. <laughs> like with the shower. <laughs> That's weird. You were saying, Jacob, there's a horror movie. Oh, there's a horror movie called The, uh, the Boogeyman, um, which was largely maligned, but all it is is shots of the, the closet. It's terrifying because it's such a primal place where yeah. horrible things happen. I wasn't scared, afraid of closets, but you couldn't pay me to go in our basement when I was younger. Like, I hate basements, especially unfinished basements. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ours was it, like unfinished, but kind of finished, but unfinished, really. Or cellars. And it was dark, and it was there was a lot of stuff down there. Hated it. Hated it. Mm-hmm. All right, we've got two more stories. So I'm up yeah. next. My story, my story is the origin, and Jacob may appreciate this one, origins of my absolutely favorite horror movie ever, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Watched it last night. In 1984, iconic director Wes Craven introduced the world to one of the scariest characters of all time, Freddy Krueger, a demon who kills teens in their dreams. I remember after watching it, I was terrified. I mean, I remember I was like, I had to have been like 14, 15, I think. I mean, and I was scared to fall asleep. But what I didn't realize at the time was that it was based on true events. So Wes Craven revealed in an interview in Vulture, and I quote, I read an article in the LA Times about a family who had escaped the killing fields in Cambodia and managed to get to the U.S. 
you know, things were fine. And then suddenly the young son was having very disturbing nightmares. He told his parents he was afraid that if he slept, the thing chasing him would get him. So he tried to stay awake for days, days at a time. And when he finally did fall asleep, his parents thought the crisis was over. In the middle of the night, they heard screams. He was having another nightmare. But by the time they got to him, he was dead. He died in the middle of a nightmare. Here was a youngster having a vision of a horror that every older person was denying. And that became the central line of Nightmare on Elm Street. This was according to, again, Wes Craven. But the thing is, that death, death by nightmare, was not the only one. Dozens of Southeast Asian refugees arriving in America in the late 70s, early 80s, died for unknown reasons in their sleep. Mysterious deaths were usually young men in their 20s and 30s from the Hmong ethnic group. And it affected a large enough group of people that it alarmed public health experts. So who are the Hmong? Uh, they're a minority group in the country of Laos, which is located between Vietnam, Cambodia, and Thailand. Uh, and they were recruited by the CIA to fight North Vietnamese soldiers during the Vietnam War. And in the hopes of getting rid of that regime that had been persecuting them for decades, more than 30,000 Hmong soldiers agreed to help the U.S. fight against communism, and mostly in the northern areas of Laos and Vietnam where they lived. But I should note, they were also killed at a rate 10 times higher than American soldiers. Oh my God. Well, in 1975, the Vietnam War ended, right? And unfortunately for the Hmong, the U.S. basically lost that war, and they pulled out, leaving them completely stranded. And Laos ended up becoming a communist country. And of course, the new leaders viewed the Hmong as traitors for working with the U.S. Wow. So many survivors from the war had to leave their homes to become refugees in Thailand or the United States. And on top of that trauma that they were dealing with by traveling to America, living in refugee camps, they had to deal with high rates of poverty once they got to the U.S. And then not long after that, they suddenly had these mysterious deaths in their sleep. Now, one of the articles in 1981 was about a refugee named Young Tao, who relocated from one of the camps in Thailand to the U.S. with his family. And not long after arriving, he died in his sleep screaming, mm -hmm. with his wife lying beside him in tears. Now, he was the fourth Hmong man to die while sleeping within nine months, and the 13th to die within three years. So, of course, you would think that there was some amazing scientific reason for these deaths, but investigators and doctors could find no medical explanation for it at all. Many of the community members thought the deaths might have been because of some chemical nerve agents from the Vietnam War, but that theory was not supported by medical experts. In one of the articles, Dr. Larry Lumen, the county medical examiner, said nerve gas simply doesn't act this way. Secondly, if it was nerve gas, why does it affect only males? And then why only during the night? Yeah, exactly. Now, some of the Hmong believe they were being punished by the spirits of their ancestors for leaving their homeland. Now, those beliefs centered around the inability to do the right, to do right by their ancestral spirits because they were not in their homeland to perform the proper rituals. Now, the affliction was ultimately given an actual name called sudden, unexplained, Nocturnal Death Syndrome Sons, and it was investigated at length by the CDC, but still to this day, 
there's no known cause for the wave of deaths by nightmare, particularly among that specific group. So it's still an unexplained mystery. (laughs) So you got to wonder if Craven maybe got it right. And there was some mysterious demon or spirit killing all these people in their dreams and nightmares. I don't know. I have no idea, but take it as a warning. If you start seeing a burnt up dude in your dreams with a striped sweater and wearing some razor claws chasing you, then whatever you do, don't fall asleep, people. Don't fall asleep. Um, That's been my man. Freddy Krueger has been my man since I was 10 years old. Ask my sister Jacqueline Robinson. I had a poster of Freddy Krueger on my bedroom door growing up. Um, So he he wouldn't come for me because I've been a loyalist. I've been loyal to him all of these years. I love the the first couple of Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Like a lot of these horror movies, you know, they get oversaturated. And so you have like Nightmare on Elm Street 51 and it's just <laughs> Freddie dies, then um, Freddie comes back and yeah, it's, <laughs> has it's a party. Answer, and <laughs> but this, what Neo brought up in terms of the real life um, dream, I like to call them dream mares, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's, it almost sounds like um, sleep paralysis, which is also mm-hmm. um, a condition in which you have a dream, you're sleeping, you have a dream, and you become so frightened that you can't move mm-hmm. and you hallucinate. Yep. So it could be you know, an extension of that. Um, and I, I had a friend in college, actually, um, a professor whose son experienced very severe sleep paralysis. Um, but it, it's it's something to think about. I mean, again, it's, it's, it's real life fright, right? Yeah, I have experienced... Is about Jason. Not everything is about, you know, the killer in the woods. It could be something yeah. that um, is real in your head that manifests into something that is very harmful to you. If you die in your dreams, do you die in real life? I mean, that's always been a question. I mean, I've I had, have experienced sleep paralysis, Liz, and it's terrifying. I've you had, had sleep paralysis. On separate occasions. I've, I've never had that. And, oh, my God, it's, it's, it's horrifying, Neil. Um, yeah, it is. Because it feels like there's just something sitting on your chest and you can't move while whatever's happening in your dream is coming at you. And you also yeah. can't, you can't, yeah. at least in my experience, Rob, you can't scream out. Um, it's No, like, people would say that I would moan. Uh, and it was only when I took over-the-counter sleeping pills and I stopped taking mm. them because they had that side effect on me. So, Neil, we paralysis. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Oh, no, I was just saying, I have only had sleep paralysis one time in my life and I was seven years old. And I remember, I don't, I never knew that people felt that like demon thing on their chest, but I always just remember like my eyes being fixated on one part of the room and me just feeling like I can't move, like paralysis, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was, it is very, it is very creepy and it does feel paranormal. I will say that. It does feel like something else there that you can What were you going to say, Liz, to me? Can you sing the Freddy Krueger Nightmare on Elm Street song? What, the one from the Fresh Prince? No. I can no, sing Dream Warriors by Dawkins. No, I can't sing. You ain't gonna hear yeah, me. One, you're not gonna hear me sing anything. But yeah, <laughs> I sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, one, maybe. One, two, Freddy coming for you. Three, four, oh, I remember that now. Your door, five, grab a goose, seven, eight, 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 seven, e
how much inspiration comes from like dreams and stuff for your movies, your your ideas? I'm not sure how much of my ideas come from dreams exactly, but and I think just being open to um, receive ideas when they arrive, whenever they arrive, that might come from dreams. Might just come from a conversation or from a thought and trying to capture those thoughts as they come. And often when you're focused on an, on a central conceit, like the basic premise of your story, then you start to sort your thoughts and if they're useful and not useful. And kind of come out and as those things come up, they'll end up in, in a book somewhere for uh, refining later. And that might be something that you say to me or something that I see on the street. And it's about just being observant and try to find things that are thematically associated with your idea. Nice. Of observation, I guess. Okay. Uh, Sherry Blaine Savory says, open stair steps in the basement absolutely freaked me out. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we I can see them. that. We had them, yep. Paulette Bertrand says, okay, maybe I won't dream. I won't sleep now. <laughs> I guess between all the stories. <laughs> uh, Mike Wolf says, TLS returns the same day as the McRib. <laughs> Uh, that's scary. That's our horror in itself. That's our in right? itself. It's world. George, George Fournier, any spooky Manitolan Island stories? Uh, Jaglin Robinson says, I remember the Silver Shamrock song that played in the continuous loop in the original Halloween movie. Drove me nuts. That was not, let me just correct her. That was not in the original Halloween movie. That was in Halloween 3, which is the worst <laughs> of all of the Halloweens. Um, uh, is that the one with the pumpkins? Halloween 3. But yeah, that, that song was horrible. It, it just, just it's, it's like cool. Godfather 3. Just throw the whole movie away. <laughs> um, scary movie song is the Tiptoes in the, I forget. It's like Tiptoe in the Tulips, I think. Tiptoe like, in the Tulips by Tiny Tim. Yes. Creepy. I knew Tim was scary. Yep. I knew Tim. Uh, you saw you guys have seen so many more horror. You know, I don't really watch that many horror movies, to be honest. I like thrillers. So like Jacob's like, movie. I, I like thrillers like that, where it's not really a horror movie, but it's like a little science fiction to it. It's a lot of thrilling. It's a mystery. I don't like movies that are just like trying to scare you just to scare you. But I loved I, Nightmare I like on Elm Street movies. because it was deep. Yeah. I like horror movies. I don't like the torture movies. Like, I don't so, like the torture yeah. movies either. They're, they're boring like, to me. Just, they're boring and it's not scary. It's just, yeah. you know, intuitive. It's just gross. Yeah. 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 I don't like those type of movies. All right. Last, last one. Close us out, Robbie Rock. Give us, give us a really scary story, Robbie Rock. <laughs> wow. My <laughs> story takes place in 1998. And it struck a chord with me because I am a galliophobe. If you're not certain of what exactly that is, see if you can figure it out during story time. So like I said, we're going to take you back to January 25th, 1998. After three years of Peace Corps service in Fiji, American tourist Tom and Eileen Longergan of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, boarded a dive boat in Queensland, Australia for a day to explore the Great Barrier Reef. So now Eileen was an experienced scuba diver and had encouraged her husband Tom to take it up also. And this was a dream dive for the Louisiana couple. They were excited to dive the world's largest coral reef system. So now the charter vessel, the Outer Edge, had 26 passengers on board that day. And the boat skipper, Jeffrey Nairn, 
took them 60 kilometers off the coast in the Coral Sea. After three dives, the boat's crew performed a passenger head count and headed back to the mainland. <gasps> I saw this movie. Ah, so let's fast forward 48 hours. Now, a bag containing the passports and belongings of Tom and Eileen were found on the dive boat, and they didn't realize until two days later when they found the passports on the bags that they forgot somebody at sea. They did the head count, but they were off by two. And a large-scale air and sea rescue search was quickly organized with everyone from the Navy to civilians taking part. So now it can only be speculated that the couple would have resurfaced from their final dive, only to find that the boat that had brought them there was gone. Can you even imagine coming up from the thrill of an amazing dive, only to find that you've been abandoned at sea? In the middle of the ocean. Now that's scary. There's a great movie about that called Deep Water. I saw it. I saw it. Yes. The 2003 movie Open Water was inspired, uh, except it um, Open Water takes place in the Caribbean and shows two divers getting in the same scenario, just getting left behind. Unfortunately, the Longergans were never found again. And during their time at sea, they would have faced the Queensland summer heat, no access to fresh water, not to mention the depths and dangers of the open ocean. So what is galeophobia? It is the fear of sharks, my friend. My very, very natural fear. That's the shark's fault. <laughs> Respect it. So wait, so I take, oh, you don't watch Shark book, Week. Though. You don't watch Shark Week. Oh, sharks are fascinating, fascinating creatures. I just make sure that I stay out of their home. I do my homework before I go into any body of water. Where does the boat go, Bob? Oh, so the, the boat, boat just went back to dock, and a, a while later, they did find um, Eileen's dive suit, and it had holes in the armpit and stuff that were consistent with being thrown up against coral. And then they found a dive board with a message written on it saying, hey, we can be left behind at sea, this is date and time, please somebody come and help us. But, um, I mean, the Great Barrier Reef of Australia is known to be a prime spot for great whites. Uh in particular, so you think that fellow sharks? Oh my god! Oh, absolutely. There's a very absolutely. strong possibility that they were eaten by sharks. Absolutely. I mean, it's possible that they died of hypothermia before that. Yeah, that's but, what I'm thinking. But the sharks definitely had a good feast that evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Something I got to eat. Wow. Yeah, I, I'd be scared. Actually, Robin Johnson said online, "Go to the beach, not the ocean." Yeah, <laughs> stuck in the middle of the ocean, man. That's. I've been on. You know, when you go on these um, cruise ships and you look at the cruise ships and you look down at the water. And you're like literally in the middle of nowhere. I can't even imagine how anybody can find you. I mean, you would just, yeah, it's, that's good. Stay close to the boat. Stay close to the boat. Oh, yeah. Try to. Mm -hmm. All right. So this was an amazing Halloween show. Great stories, everyone. Spooky stories. Spooky stories. Let's close it out. Yeah, Jacob, thank you so much for sharing your spooky story as well. But before we go... I'm going to look up Jacob's movie this evening. I think I'm going to look yeah. it up. Oh, man. Yeah, no, he's... At least... I, yeah. Don't Let Go is really good. Actually, let me uh, put the poster up. It's a really, really good movie. Um, definitely need to check That's that out. That's Danny from MI5! Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. the story from Reed. I love her. 
much. Yeah. Really good movie. Oh. Gotta check it out. Gotta check it out. All right, before we go, we gotta, of course, as always, get in some shout outs. And Jacob, we're gonna give you the final thought of the show, but right now, any shout outs, any shout outs that you have to anyone, Jacob? Shout out to my daughter, Iris Serena Estes, and my son, Lucas Elastis. My wife, Gretchen Lieberum. Oh, they all tolerated and helped me make this new movie he's watching. So, all right. He's watching. You got to check out He's Watching. All right. Lizzie, shout outs. Shout out to the Washington football team, the Commanders. (laughs) So during the early part of the show, while we were doing introductions, they were down with like 12 seconds left. Those Bamas came back and won a game. Oh, no. (laughs) The Commanders. So that's scary. Like that's scary. We are 500, so I'm I'm proud of my home team. For that's scary. Robbie Very Rock. Scary. Very shout scary. out. <laughs> uh, shout out to my wife Joe, who is always incredibly supportive of all this. Shout out to my mom for giving birth to me almost 50 years ago. <laughs> Almost. <laughs> we're, we're almost there, you're my old. friends. You all. Yeah, I'm old. You're old. old. That. Uh, <laughs> shout out to my kids. Uh, shout out to my granddaughter. Just I love her. Yeah. I've had some losses along the way, and I just feel close to my family. I so appreciate them all. All right. Johnny Storm. Um, shout out to you guys. Shout out to the people watching t- today. And thank you guys for coming back and tuning in. We're back. We're excited. Um, and shout out to Halloween. <laughs> That's a weird shout out. <laughs> but shout out to- No, it's a great shout out. It's my no way. It's a perfect shout out. So. Tomorrow. Great shout out. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Shout out to Halloween. Yeah, I, my shout out goes to uh, our audience. It's good to see them just jump right back into it. So, yeah, <laughs> we, had, we had a lot of comments online. So, appreciate you guys continuing to support the podcast. Make sure you share it out. Tell more people. Get, get involved. Season four starting up next week. So, get ready for that. And that is officially all of the time we have for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for joining us. I'd like to thank my crew for being a part of this. I'd like to thank Jacob, Aaron Estes for joining us for story time. Of course, we hope you maybe had some fun, learned something, or gained some new perspectives. Again, as I said, we'll be back for our first episode of season four next week, same time. And again, you'll be able to watch us live and join the conversation Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Or, of course, listen to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts on Monday. All right. And we're going to give our guest the final thought of the show. Jacob Aaron Estes, tell people where they can find you. Any final thoughts, anything you want to share. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, <laughs> Jacob Aaron Estes, at Jacob Aaron Estes. And there might be something under, I don't know, you'll find it. And and that's it. That's basically the only place I exist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you did a fantastic job, Jacob. And uh, we'll, we'll send you all the information later. But thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Gianni. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you, Lizzie. And of course, we got to thank you for listening to our shenanigans each and every week. And we will see you next week. Thank you.